Welcome to the Light on Being podcast. I am the host, Claire Zavko. The Light on Being podcast is dedicated to growth and transformation through conscious talks and conversation. It is time to remember our value, step into our wholeness, and live life fully. Join me monthly on every full moon for practical techniques, radical insight, and conversations with entrepreneurs, teachers, healers, and spiritual leaders. I'm excited. Let's get started. Welcome. We are here today with Tracy Jennings Hill to discuss and get into compassionate communication. Before we meet Tracy, let's start with a mindful minute. So wherever you are, take a moment to settle. As long as you're not driving, you can close your eyes. And just pause and feel your feet, legs on the ground connected to the earth beneath you. If you're seated, feel what you're seated on. Notice the texture, the consistency, the temperature. And press into the points that are connected to the ground to let your spine lengthen. Let your shoulders draw back, let your heart expand and open. Notice if there's any chair back behind you, what it feels like. And soften the face, soften the jaw, soften the body. Take a conscious breath in. Slow breath out. Two more conscious breaths on your own. Allow your awareness to expand. Notice any sounds in this moment in your space, outside of your space. Notice any scent, any smell where you are. Swipe your tongue across your teeth. Notice any taste in your mouth. Even though your eyes are closed, notice what you can see. Let go of whatever has or hasn't happened today. Just bring your full presence to right where you are. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes, come into this space. So I'm so excited to be with and share with our Light on Being group Tracy Jennings Hill. It's such an honor that you are here. Tracy is a mother of three incredible women. She is a retired Air Force veteran. She's a postpartum doula. She is a Jyotishi, a Vedic astrologer, and also the founder of Live Your Yoga in Atlanta, Georgia. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. 
No, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always lovely to be with one of my Satva sisters. So it's a blessing. So thank you. You're welcome. And that's how we met through Satwa Yoga. So I initially met Tracy while in India. And one of my favorite aspects of, of just watching you is your ability to communicate. And I'll remember before we even had our first conversation that just seeing you with ease and with flow, being able to communicate with anyone and and everyone, you know, and I remember a particular training when we we're in the Vedic astrology training, there was 44 people. And within a day or two, you knew everyone, you knew everyone's story and everyone felt seen and heard by you, by this natural ability that you have to communicate. And so when this topic arose and, and I was inspired to dig into it, you're the first person that came to mind as you have this natural ability to listen, see people, connect and and have magical beautiful moments with anybody yeah i yeah <laughs> i i feel really you know when i think that way yeah i guess i do i've i've always enjoyed i love seeing people for who they are i think it's a i think it's so important for us to be acknowledged and recognized you know, and look someone into their eyes um, and really see their soul and see that goodness. Because I'm the rose-colored glass girl. I believe that everyone has goodness in them. And I know some people might feel differently about some of their people, but I think everyone has goodness. And so I try to um, connect with people and meet them where they are. And uh, no, it's just a part of my nature just to feel very comfortable in that space. And we did. We had 44 people. It was, that was awesome. Yeah. And as we're in this time, the information age, these COVID times, the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of movement, a lot is coming up for everyone individually, in our families, in our jobs, in our nation in our globe and the planet. And so communication is happening, that everyone can communicate at any hour of the day, on their phone, on the internet, on all kinds of social media plat platforms, TV, everything, you know, we're as digital as ever before. So communication is happening, right? But what, what is it when we speak to compassionate communication, how is that distinct from just all this communication that's happening? So, you know, when I think about communication or compassionate communication, it really is about connecting with people where, and meeting them, just really meeting them and coming from a place of love. I think we all have our own samskaras, as we know. We all have our own things that we bring to the table. But really honing in on the idea that everyone has a story now what that story may be or how or where they are in that story. Um, it, that's not really as important as the fact that they do have a story and acknowledging it. Because if we acknowledge and look at people and see them for who they are, hopefully they're going to do the same thing for you. And it's about, it's, there's a gentle mutual respect that I think comes into play when we begin to interact with anyone. You know, I always look someone in their eye 
and if I introduce myself or they introduce themselves to me, I have this thing where I will repeat their name at least one more time within my mind because there's nothing worse to me than somebody walk up to, hey, Stacy, not Tracy, which uh, that kind of that kind of rubs you because that's a way of communicating. And if someone has a beautiful, unique name or if it's a regular old name, the fact is it's their name. And it's it's and as you know, in our Western society in particular, it's about labels. So we have to acknowledge all these different stages I think we move through when we think of compassionate communication, because it is about love. It's about listening, being present, um, being in a place of uh, uh, just compassion um, and seeing them for who they are and uh, hopefully being able to uplift them in some way because that's what I think that's what we're all supposed to do as well so that that makes sense that you know to come to that 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 point where we're just seeing people for people beyond you know this this other stuff and connecting people where they're at and and it's easy if we relate to someone it's easy if we feel that connection to someone but what about with you know what's happening in society when we're when people disagree when people feel they're right when people want to be right when people really want to be heard and you know they they want to have their voice heard how do we still embody and practice compassionate communication in difficult conversations that maybe haven't been had before yeah that's a hard one um and the reason i say that's a hard one because it does have to be i do think it there needs to be a frankness to the communication so that it needs to be open um, but it also has to come, again, it goes back to that idea of love and acknowledging, seeing those people and saying, okay, I acknowledge that I don't know, I can't walk in your shoes. I am not you. And just like you're not me, acknowledging that first. And then from that point, coming to uh, an agreement between the two of the people or within a group to say, okay, we don't, we, let's agree to disagree right now, but let's also come to a place where we can be open in our conversation and release that feeling aspect of it, take the senses out of it and just be present and listen. Because a lot of times we're saying the exact same thing. It just might be a little different. And of course, because we're not walking in that person's shoes or that group's shoes, it's gonna have a different frame of reference. It's gonna have a different rooting. It's just like flowers in the field. They all have roots, right? But depending on the flower, they might, if it's a lily versus it being a daisy versus it being uh, a rose, its appearance comes off differently, but they all have roots and they all have feelings and they all have things that we have to take into consideration. And being considerate is one of those things, I think, when we speak to compassion. Acknowledge it, say, and you don't even have to say that you understand, because you don't, because you're not them. And so, but acknowledge it, say, I am listening, I am present. Please explain to me so that I have a better understanding and be able to begin that dialogue with each other. 
And when I think about challenging conversations I have had, um, it seems like many of them were within the family, with siblings, <laughs> with parents, right? Growing up and the different things that arise. And still though, in that moment, there's emotions. There may be anger. There may be almost a feeling of rage. You know, like how, how can you really be rational in that moment? Because you're so like, I was right in this situation. And the other person say, no, I was right. And you're just back and forth and you're getting nowhere. So how do we really like move beyond the positionality to move towards this compassionate communication thing? Uh, take a deep breath. That's the first thing. <laughs> you know, you know how it's always we say, take a deep breath. Once we take that deep breath, before we say anything, think and speak from a place of love. That's probably the first thing. Or say nothing. I've been in the same situation. You know, I, I'm thinking back just recently in the last few months with my, my mom. She's 80. And um, she did something that kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. And I just didn't know how to address it with her initially. So I chose not to say anything because I didn't want to say something that would evoke a negative response or uh, would be hurtful to her. Uh, so again, that was by me not saying anything and taking the time. And then I finally, I reached out to her and I said, mom, I said, I need to share this with you right now. And, she, and, and I said, I just need for you to listen. And I went through the process and I explained to her why it was upsetting to me, why I hadn't talked to her in a couple of weeks. And she said, I knew something was wrong. She said, but I appreciate you taking the time. And we were fine. But I think if I would have responded when it took place, I'm sure it would have been a completely different situation. So being right isn't always the right thing, you know? I think back to when we were in Jyotish training and we think of the planet Mercury, which is all about communication, right? Every kind of commute, personal, professional. And the one thing we have to remember when, when we think of Mercury, the planet itself is um, right knowledge is not necessarily correct knowledge. And so I think that's the other aspect. So even in our rightness, not saying that anyone is right or wrong, but in, even in our rightness, it might not necessarily be correct because we don't know everything that goes along with it. And even again, it's based upon that person's frame, not yours. Yeah, and all of us, when we are speaking, we think we're speaking the truth. That's why we're it, speaking it. So that inherently now with 7.6 billion people, now we have 7.6 billion truths. So of course they're going to conflict. They are. <laughs> and we're all going to think we're right behind it. <laughs> right? Yes. 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 And I, but I think too, that's the, the challenging part right now. I know sitting back, it took me a while to even speak or post anything socially. Um, when all of the, the issues really came about, um, with the, all the racial issues with the Black Lives Matters. And, and being a Black woman, you know, of course Black Lives Matters. I'm Black, so I matter. My children matter. My family matters. 
Um, but the reason I paused was I really needed to sit and be still. It was really important to me to not react, be in a reactive state, because I think all anyone that saw any of the inhumane things that took place responded in the same way. I really do. I think deep down inside, no one would want to see that happen to anyone. But I also think that right now, partly due to COVID, I think we've been locked up and people are struggling with that part of it. They're struggling with really seeing themselves as they truly are, or maybe seeing their partner as they truly are, or, you know, dealing with a lot of the different emotions that are associated with the idea of communicating and being in a space. And then all of this stuff rose up again to be such a visible thing in our face. I think that's fueling this whole um, battle that's going on. And normally, and if we look at it from a yogic perspective, it, it really a lot of times is the battle within ourselves that we are, it, that's being perpetuated out into society. And Yes, it is a problem. There, it's not that there's not problems, but I also think we need to be still and we need to listen. And it's not so much about being reactive and be wanting to be right, because we're all right to a certain extent. Just like you said, we're all speaking our truth. It's just what do we do with that and how do we discern and move past the being right? I think that's where we have to sit back and be still. And, that, and it needs to come from those people that we look up to, which they're not doing a good job of that right now, unfortunately. And when you mentioned like in, in moments and in challenging conversations, the importance of a simple deep breath and that it is that moment where there's a space between now there was you were one was stimulated there was the stimulus there was someone triggered us but something happened we felt an emotion we felt uncomfortable whatever it was the stimulus and then by the breath now it gives space where it's possible to move from reaction where there's no space compared to now there's space and now i can choose to have a response and definitely it's hard it's not always easy to do but it's in the practice of it that that space the breath can be one breath with more practice, it can be two breaths. It, with the situation you shared, it can be a day. It can be all night. It can, it can, th that space can grow. You know, and that's a, a tangible practice. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if we think of, you know, uh, we think of uh, polyvagal theory, right? That fight or flight. One of the first things we should do before we do anything is take a deep breath. That gives us the time to bring the function and let our brain tap back in, not move into that, that animalistic or that reactionary state. And so taking that breath, and again, like you said, take another breath. As soon as we do that, it hits that parasympathetic nervous system. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. All right, that probably, what I was getting ready to say, probably wasn't the best thing. Let me take another deep breath. We do that again. And then it shifts us, it begins to shift us, it begins to kind of awaken us back into that rational uh, state of mind, which allows us to make better decisions and be better listeners and um, 
and come from a place of love. That's, I mean, that's, I think that's the other aspect too, is we are all relevant. No one isn't not relevant. I think, yes, Black lives do matter. Absolutely. But I also believe too that all lives matter. And uh, when I, I, I had an opportunity to speak during the um, uh, Hanuman Festival, I was interviewed for that. And I said, you know, here's the thing. When we talk about this compassionate communication, of course, it goes two ways. When we, as Black people, as we're communicating, and if a white person comes to us and they're asking questions because they don't understand, we need to take a deep breath. And we need to listen and not be reactive and not be in that state of anger or that fight or flight because there's not there's not going to be any good that comes from it. We have to give the opportunity to begin that dialogue and begin that conversation because that's the that's where we heal. And that and then we can begin that very open dialogue and share stories. We all have traumas. That's the other aspect. Just in different variance levels. And no one knows anybody else's trauma because we have not been that person. We have not walked in their shoes. I don't care who you are. <laughs> yes. And, and that's, I think there's a shift there that when we can go beyond over who's right or who's wrong in any situation, any challenging conversation, and start to move forward that, hey, what are we really committed to? Are we committed to being right or wrong? Or can we commit to how do we move forward? And in that how do we move forward, looking at an opening to what is our shared intention here? That and what's beautiful in this time that's arising in history, that's a pivotal, pivotal monumental time is conversations are being had that haven't been had before or at least not that prevalent and mm -hmm. questions are being asked and um, things are being shared and there's podcasts and there's books and there's this beautiful momentum happening right now about race and equality and 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 more awareness on these issues than ever before across the the nation and globe and so it's so beautiful though in this time remembering like we have a shared intention that we all just want to be better. Like, how do we be better moving forward? And in that to be better, it, it takes that moment again to just have that deep breath and say, okay, I didn't realize how by saying a certain thing that was offensive to certain people. I didn't know that. Now I know. So yeah, I'm going to take a deep breath. Can you take a deep breath with me? Can we, can we find that common ground of the shared intention of how do we move forward in a new paradigm? Because the old paradigm hasn't worked. It's not working. And that's the beauty that in this time of massive chaos and like destruction of systems and paradigms and the way of used, uh, we used to be, this is a time of an incredible rebirth that's happening at the exact same time. And every ending is a beginning and every death is a rebirth. So as we rebirth, the importance of, again, that breath and being clear on our shared intention that we do care and how do we make that care behind however we move forward yes uh it's you're all of that totally here completely on point because it is about that moving forward it is taking those steps and 
and continuing to be in that state of oneness with each other and open. You know, um, love and that conscious state working together is the one thing I think always, if we always come from a state of love, how could it be wrong? If we come from a state of love, love is God and God is love. So therefore, how could anything be wrong? If, if you're asking me a question um, and you're saying, hey, Tracy, I don't understand, then by you saying that, you're opening yourself up to vulnerability as well because you're saying, I don't understand. You're letting down whatever boundaries that might have happened. And so by you saying that to me, my natural response should be, or the response I would hope most people be, well, let's talk about it. It'd be the same thing if you, when you have your children. If you're that type of parent that says, let's talk about it, or are you the type of parent that's going to slam the door in their face, say, get your, you know, what together. So it, it, I think it is, it is gently that conversation that we need to continue to work on is shifting that paradigm and coming that one earth nation and just being, because the thing is, is we're tied to all of these elements physically and mentally and, and the uprisal, the, the riveting effects or the rippling effects that are going on, they're affecting every last one of us. Even if we're not seeing it in the media right now, what's happening right here in the United States and in, or in North America is affecting everything in Europe, is affecting everything in South America, is affecting because it's bringing up this idea of equality and the true essence of what it is to be a compassionate soul and be able to move past that rightness. Because right isn't always right. Right is sometimes the thing that makes us move into a state of disillusionment. And so um, I think I think often in um, the Yoga Sutra and Sutra 1.2, there's a saying, it's uh, as the mind, so the man. Bondage or liberation is a choice. And so what's so powerful, and that stays with me all the time. It's a choice. If we choose right now, we do have this amazing opportunity to move into this new paradigm. And it's here. It's just kind of like the universe is saying, okay, here it is. What are you going to do with it? I'm giving this to you. Yes, all this other stuff has been awful. But I'm, I'm saying to you now, let's do this and let's do this together. And if we do that, man, just think how beautiful everything will be. Just how, and of course, there's going to be little uprisings here and there. But <clears throat> if we set this precedent right now, it'll give us the opportunity to change history. This new paradigm is one that has, and we're in the Dwarpa era. And so if we understand that too, this gives us the, we're moving so quickly right now because of this whole COVID, because of what the universe has presented us. But it's saying it's time. It's time. Let's do this. And the beautiful aspect of this being the time you're speaking to this choice that each one of us has is that that's, that's what it takes for true change. The, the true change is not going to come from the president. The true change isn't going to come from someone telling us what to do. We can look in history. That hasn't worked. When we're told what to do, 
that's what causes resistance. So this is an internal choice. How can we each individually make the choice of our own shared intention, of our own compassionate communication, of our own choice to take the deep breath, to move to a evolutionary response as opposed to an ego reaction. And it's not easy and it is a practice. And you know, we all know when we get home for the holidays, that's our hardest practice where all the triggers are pushed real quick. You know, that's when we get really tested. Is this thing really yep. working or not? Right. Yep. Um, but the beautiful thing is it's an individual choice and that is change. When 7.6 billion people decide, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. I'm going to choose that. Now we have sustainable change. And that, you know, it goes back to that idea, you know, and I think, I think when any of us begin our yogic path or our yogic journey, right. I know, I know, I've always said when I got to a certain point, I was like, man, just think of everybody in the world practice yoga, like really, really understood the tenets, really went deeper within themselves. And so I, I think it is, this is, the, this is the time. If we move in that way that allows us to choose what we know innately is right, innately is right. And be the conduit of that voice or be the conduit of that change, then I, I honestly, and it, and it does come from compassion. And through that compassionate communication, through that love, through that true essence of wanting to understand and see that person sitting next to you on the subway or walking down the street or uh, sitting in the table next to you and you're watching. And I watch people quite a bit, by the way, I forgot to tell you. I do. I observe people a lot and see how they're interacting. And that, because I do think that that's the other part of it. We all, it's, it's a beautiful symphony of movement and breath and, and sharing space and doing all these things that can allow us to have that, not the, I don't want to say the perfect life, but have that, that collective consciousness of community, which is that earth nation, which is that design that, I do truly think that that's where, where we need to move. And it is that new paradigm. Yes, how beautiful. And um, recently I was asking you about a challenging conversation I had where I was aiming to practice compassionate communication, but I didn't know how. Just because a, a dear friend is, is suffering and hurting right now and grieving of a, a death, of a passing. And you shared some very simple, profound words um, that, that I wanted to share with everybody that in those moments, how powerful it is to respond to, by saying something so sim simple. Do you remember what they were when you shared them to me? <laughs> I said, um, I'm here and I'm listening. Yes. And that's, and, and that, I think those to me, cause everyone wants to be heard. Everyone. And if you say I'm here they know you're present and I'm listening. They know you're present. No. Yes. And then it doesn't matter whether you agree with them or disagree. It doesn't matter if you can viscerally understand them or not. And like you said, there's that distinction that we really can't understand because we haven't walked that path. We can want to understand, which is required but we truly don't on the deepest of deepest levels. And so to just stick with those simple words, I'm listening. 
I'm here for you. I'm here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. That really helped and supported. And as we um, wrap up, is there any tip related to communication on, you know, how do you really do it? And what is that, the tip on really embodying this practice on a day-to-day basis? I think one of the things too that I've observed with, even with myself, you know, as I've matured in life and as I've moved down this path, like I just shared with you, I do observe, I watch, I listen. And I think we all need to do more of that. I think we all need to be sit still and really observe the, like the sounds, you know, and really acknowledge the sounds, the things that are surrounding us. Maybe close your eyes if you're someplace out. Notice, you know, when the, if you're in a park, rather than be on your phone, you know, or listening to music, take the buds off and just be present. The idea of observing and listening, I think are two of the most essential aspects of the human nature and of our human being so that we can be the humans doing. Beautiful. Observe and listen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. You're so welcome. If people seek to connect, how how can they do that? What's the best way? Um, let's see. I'm at uh, info at liveyouryoga dot com, and it's L I V E U R Y O G A. You can also I'm a Tracy of Live Your Yoga on Instagram, um, and of course any of those work for me. And otherwise, contact Claire. <laughs> she she knows how to get in touch with me. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for your time and words and insight and for listening like you always do. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. Thank you for um, allowing me to be with you. It's been such a pleasure and I'm so excited. Like we have so much to do. Yes. We're just getting started. All of us in this new paradigm. We are just getting started. We're just getting started. It's the time to build. So thank you. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. Thank you for listening to the Light on Being podcast. Like all things in time, this is an evolving living thing as we discover our wholeness and light together. I'm excited that you're along for the journey and I would love to connect with you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Light on Being. Send me a message with any comments or questions, and they may be addressed on an upcoming episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast, the highest compliment that one can give is to share the episode with a friend or leave a review. Make sure to look up at the full moon and see her bright, radiant light. She is fully being.